This morning, we continue our study in Esther chapter 4. And in this chapter is found perhaps the most widely recognized uh, verse of Scripture in all of the book of Esther. It's in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, when Mordecai says to Esther, Yet who knows, perhaps you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We've heard that phrase a lot these last several months. For such a time as this. And as I meditated on that statement that Mordecai says to Esther, I asked myself, what kind of time is this? What kind of time is Mordecai talking about when he says that to Esther? In order to answer that question, we must understand, as we saw last week, in the third chapter of Esther, there was a decree that was issued and, dis- and, and proclaimed throughout the whole empire that all of, the, all of the Jews were to be annihilated in one day at the end of the year. In other words, it was a time of great difficulty. It was a time of great trouble. And it was a time of great danger. In other words, it was a time of crisis. When he says to Esther, yet who knows, perhaps you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, he is saying, Esther, you have come to become queen in the midst of a crisis, and God wanted you here for that time, so that you would be here in the midst of a crisis. And as I think about that, these last two months that we've been experiencing as a nation, indeed in the whole world, has been a time of crisis, has it not? A time of great difficulty, a time of great danger, a time of great trouble. And usually when we experience a time of crisis, whether it's a personal crisis that one goes through, a nationwide crisis or a global crisis, generally there's going to be two kinds of response to the crisis. You will either respond in faith to the crisis, or you will respond in fear to the crisis. Faith or fear. It was no different for Mordecai and Esther in the midst of their crisis. They're going to respond to this crisis, this decree that was throughout the whole empire, in two ways. One by faith, the other by fear. Mordecai will respond to the crisis in faith, Esther will respond to this crisis with fear. And the way the author presents this is in such a way he wants you to see the contrast between Mordecai's response in the crisis and Esther's response in the crisis. One faith, one fearful. So let's take a look at Esther chapter 4 and see Mordecai and Esther's response in the midst of the crisis. First, we come to Mordecai's faith. Number one, in a time of crisis, Mordecai's faith compelled him to publicly reveal his identity. His faith compelled him to publicly reveal his identity. Look upon the screen, verses 1, 2, and 3. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, that is, when he learned about the crisis... This is what he did. He tore his clothes 
and put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and in ashes. Obviously, a common theme in the first three verses is grief. He's mourning. He hears about the crisis that the Jews are going to be annihilated, annihilated, and the first thing he does, he tears his clothes and he puts on sackcloth and ashes. And you say, what, what does that mean? It's simply an outward expression of grief at that time. Tearing one's clothes was a very uh, common expression of showing one's grief in the midst of a crisis. So that's what he does. He tears his clothes and then he puts on sackcloth. What was sackcloth? Sackcloth was made out of goat's hair or camel's hair, and it was coarse to the skin. It was very uncomfortable to wear, and oftentimes, many scholars believe it was wrapped around the waist as a loincloth. And so when uh, Mordecai recognizes that there's been a decree, it's in a, he's in a time of crisis, he expresses that with grief, and he goes all the way to the gate of the entrance of the palace, publicly, why does he do this? Because he's trying to get his younger cousin, who is the queen, he's trying to get her attention. He wants to mourn publicly so to get her attention because he wants her to do something about this crisis because he feels she's the only one who can. But in order to get her attention, he's got to publicly grieve along with all the Jews. The only people who are going to be expressing grief would be concerned about the situation were the Jewish people because that was the decree that was the, the decree was against the Jewish people. So they're the only ones who are going to be expressing their grief in this way. They were, Mordecai and the Jewish people are making known their identity in the midst of the crisis. And it's interesting that what they do in the midst of the crisis is something that we often don't do in the midst of crisis. Let other people know about it. Oftentimes, you may be in the midst of the crisis and no one knows because we don't talk about it. We don't want no one to know what we're going through. And so we don't want to burden other people with our problems. So let's keep it to ourselves. And when someone asks you, how are you doing this morning? And most of the time we put on the, you know, we put on the, we put on the, uh, pull over our bootstraps and we suck it up and we say, I'm fine. When we know we're not fine. Mordecai needed to be ministered to. And he's going to the only person he feels who can help him and others. And the only way to do that was to make his grief known. And so doing, he's identifying himself as a Jew, as a child of God. It's nothing wrong with faith and showing grief. Some people think that if you show grief or sadness, that somehow that's a... a, a an expression that shows a lack of faith and trust. Not so. This is the exact opposite. The fact that he's a child of God is being displayed publicly as he grieves because his people are in a great time of crisis. So his faith 
is compelling him to publicly reveal his identity in front of everybody. He does this openly in the city, in front of the palace, to get his, his younger cousin's attention. Number two, in a time of crisis, Esther's fear compelled her to publicly conceal her identity. Verses 4 through 6. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Let me stop right there. Mordecai is mourning, he's weeping, and he's wailing in front of the king's gate. The eunuchs of the queen see all of the Jews and Mordecai mourning. And they go and tell Esther. And Esther hears it, and now she empathizes. She feels their pain, and she wants to do something. So what does she do? She sends some people to go to Mordecai and have him change clothes, but he says no. You say, what in the world is going on? Remember, there is a law that says you cannot go past the king's gate with mourning clothes on. So what she's doing is saying, look, I want you to come speak to me. Change your clothes so it will be lawful for you to come into the palace so that you can talk to me, but do so privately. Why is she doing that? Because she doesn't want anybody to know her identity. She doesn't want anyone to know that she's Jewish. Why? Because she's afraid. Remember in the second chapter of verse 10, Mordecai was telling her, don't tell anybody you're Jewish. Keep your identity concealed. Don't let anyone know. Obviously, there must have been some anti-Semitism within the empire. So in order to protect her, he's saying, don't reveal your identity. In, chapter, in the second chapter, verse 20, she continues that same policy of concealment when, after she becomes queen. So Mordecai knows that she's afraid. And Mordecai is saying, no, I am not going to go into the palace to meet you on your terms. You need to let people know that you're Jewish so that you can act on their behalf. And so he says, I'm not coming. You would think Esther then will say, okay, I'll come meet you. Watch what she does next. Verse 5. Then Esther called Hathik, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her. And she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathik went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. She does not want to go. She's afraid. What's going to happen to me if people see me talking to them as Jews? They're going to think I'm Jewish. She doesn't want to, he doesn't want, she doesn't want to go. She's afraid. You're seeing a stark contrast between Mordecai's faith and Esther's fear that was instilled in her when she was younger. Now she doesn't want to let anyone know she's a child of God in the midst of this crisis. Go back now, Mordecai's faith. In a time of crisis, Mordecai's faith considered the safety and well-being of others before himself. Verses 7 to 9. 
And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, that is to Hathak, the servant. And the sum of money, the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given in Susa, the citadel, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king's to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther all the words of Mordecai. His sole concern here are other people. It's his own people. That's his number one concern. He's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about the people of God. He wants them to be delivered. That's all he cares about. He's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about others in the midst of the crisis. Now Esther, in a time of crisis, Esther's fear considered the safety and well-being of herself before others. Verses 10 through 12. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Obviously, there was a law that the king was very well protected back in those days. There would have been many people who would have plotted against the king, which was evident earlier on in the book when Mordecai snuffed out a plot to kill the king. So you couldn't just approach the king for any reason. Only very few people had access to go see the king unannounced. Queen Esther was not one of them. Now, if you went and approached the king without him calling for you, You could be killed on the spot unless he put out a golden scepter, which was basically an act of grace. And Esther says, look, the law says you just can't go up to the king uh, for no reason. He hasn't summoned me. In fact, he hasn't summoned me in 30 days. Perhaps after five years of marriage, maybe his desire for me is cooled. Maybe he's not happy with me. So I'd be putting myself at a great risk to go see him. All she's concerned about in the midst of this crisis is her own safety, not others. Totally opposite of Esther. Her fear is concealing her identity. And her fear is keeping her from acting on behalf of others. And she's the queen, the leader. Fifthly, in a time of crisis... Mordecai's faith caused him to see everything within the crisis from a godly perspective. Verses 13 and 14. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart. He knows knows her mind. He knows what she's thinking. 
Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you see the perspective that he has? He's saying it's a perspective of faith in the midst of the crisis. Listen, Esther, you may not act, but I know God is going to deliver these people some way, shape, or form in the midst of this crisis. The question for me, Esther, is not whether or not God's going to deliver God's people. The question is, are you going to be the means by which that deliverance comes? That's the question, Esther. But the point is, is that he looks at the crisis from a godly point of view, from a godly perspective, from faith. In a time of crisis, listen now, in a time of crisis, Esther's faith caused her to act and take risks. She went from fear to faith. In the midst of the crisis, she goes from fear to faith. Verses 15 and 16. In times of crisis, Esther's faith caused her to act and take risks. Verses 15 and 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all of the Jews who are present in Susa, and I want you to fast for me, which would also include prayer. Neither eat nor drink for these three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. These are words of conviction. She's not just saying, well, if I die, I die. No. She is now convinced she must act. And she does act by fasting and praying acts of faith. And she calls... Uh, she tells Mordecai to gather all the people who are Jewish and to do the same. Intercede so that I can go to the king on your behalf so that I may be successful. And it was risky for her to do so. This was not easy. She had to put her own life at risk. And faith will do that in a time of crisis. You will act and you will take risk. For your faith must overcome your fear in the midst of crisis. And lastly, in a time of crisis, Esther's faith became influential. Verse 17. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. It is interesting, when she, when she sent him clothing to get changed earlier on, he said, no, I'm not going to listen to you. But now that he sees that she's willing to take a risk and that now she's going to act, now when you say something, I will do what you say. You will only have influence in the midst of a crisis when you act on others' behalf and are willing to take risks on their behalf. That's the only way it'll happen. Now, that is the story here in chapter 4. I want you to think with me now. Think with me. The story reminds me of the fact that Jesus Christ is called what? The King of Kings. 
First Timothy chapter 6, Revelation chapter 19. Jesus is the King of Kings. Now Jesus, as the King of Kings, also has a bride who is called what? The church. And if the church is the bride of the King of Kings, then that makes the church a what? Queen. As Queen Esther's faithful act of intercession on behalf of her people was risky in a time of great crisis, so the church's faithful intercessory acts may also be risky in a time of great crisis. And since this risky act was the only way that Queen Esther was going to have an influence in the lives of those around her in the midst of a crisis, the same will be true of the church. She, as queen, will only have influence in our world in times of crisis when its leaders and its people speak up and do not remain silent. The main idea of this whole chapter is that in great times of crisis, God's people must overcome fear in order to be faithful to God's call in the midst of a crisis. When the church is faithful to her call in the midst of a crisis, then those who have fear can overcome their fear by seeing the faith of God's people in action. How does that happen? Faith can overcome fear in times of great crisis when those who have faith are not afraid to publicly reveal their identities as Christians. That's what Mordecai did. Faith can overcome fear in times of great crisis when those who have faith show a greater concern for the safety and well-being of others than they do for themselves. That's what Mordecai did. And faith can overcome fear in times of great crisis when those who have faith see everything within the crisis from a godly perspective. When those outside these walls see us respond in the midst of a crisis like Mordecai did, then we can help them overcome their fear in the midst of the crisis with faith. And that is the call of the queen, the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. This is a message that needs to be spoken today in all of the churches all over the nation. Where is the church Are we being silent when we should be leading? May we always have an explanation for the reason, for the hope that lies within us. And may they see that be a reality in our own personal lives as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going through a difficult crisis right now. And we will be going through more crises in the future as a church. The question for us, are we going to be like Esther in the early part of the story? Or are we going to be like Esther at the latter part of the story? That's a challenge for you and for me in great times of crisis. When people see us respond in faith, they're going to say there's something different about you that's not evident in other people that I see in my experience in this world. Can you give me a reason for your faith? How is it can you, you can handle the adversities and the trials and the crises in your life with such confidence and peace, even though the world is going crazy all around you, even though your own personal life may be in turmoil 
being tossed and fro by the waves. How would you answer that? Do they see that in your life? In the midst of the crisis? This is a challenge for the church. We're in a time of crisis. And more will be coming. And it will be all the more important for the church not to conceal herself, but those who claim to be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to be bold in their faith and to express it openly, just like Mordecai did, even at great cost, at great risk. Will we be doing that? May God give us the strength and the grace and the favor to do so. Because if there is a time when the church needs to be the church, it is now. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We identify with the story of Esther and Mordecai in this chapter because we too are in a crisis. For the church, we need to ask ourselves if we're in an identity crisis. We need to know who we are and to do so boldly as your spirit guides and leads us. Lord, we want to be your people in this time of crisis. If we are going through a crisis, Lord, give us the strength to share what we're going through with others. Give us wisdom with whom we can share it with so that we can get the help, the counsel, the advice that we need because we know that you're going to work through those people and minister to to us through them. Help us, Lord, to make known our own pain and our own hurts in our lives when we're at that time in our lives. Some of you may need God's healing touch this morning. And I pray with all my heart that you would make it known, that you would minister and receive the grace and the comfort and the hope that God wants to provide you in the midst of it. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a selfless spirit like Mordecai, always considering others before ourselves. It's human nature, Lord, when we're scared to, to go right into a mode of self-preservation. Give us the liberty and the freedom to act in ways that mimic you, who is not afraid to risk his own life for the sake of others. Help us in that area in our lives. We're all weak. I know I struggle with that as well, Father. Help us to be people who will minister and to put others first before ourselves. And there's no greater time to do that than in the midst of a crisis. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to see all things from your perspective in the midst of it. It'll encourage us in the midst of it and it'll be a, a light to others in the midst of it as well. Lord, we love you. And you know that the crisis that we're experiencing now is is not known by you. We do know that you're aware of it. And help us, Lord, as a church to be the people that you've called us to be in times like this because that's when we can shine the brightest and that's when your, your will and your person can be made known in ways that may not be known otherwise. We know that you're working all things according to your will. And we pray that you would use us as a means to accomplish your purpose in the world as your church, as your bride, as your queen. And we'll give you all the glory and the praise that you deserve when you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.